So this morning, we are going to resume our uh, catchphrase series that we started two Sundays ago, and uh, I have some more catchphrases to lead off with us this morning again, and these are actually um, slogans for commercials or ads, so uh, as I mention them or say them, just tell me what the, what the ad is for. The quicker picker-upper. Okay. There are things money can't buy. For everything else, there's... I heard it, MasterCard, yeah. Just do it. You know, that one's been around for over 30 years. All the news that's fit to print. New York Times. Uh, how about this one? Be all you can be. Army. Good to the last drop. Boy, that one's been around a long time. And this one's been around a long time, too. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. M&M's. Okay, I'm going to give you four more slogans. These are all car companies, just to give you a heads up. One word, Farfignugan. Volkswagen. Nobody even knows what that word means. How about this one? Two words. Zoom, zoom. Mazda. Good. The ultimate driving machine. Did I hear it? It's actually BMW. Yes, BMW. And then this one, imported from Detroit. <laughs> what are you laughing for? It was a great slogan. Did I hear it? Chrysler, yes, imported from Detroit. In fact, does anyone remember when that ad, that commercial first rolled out? It was a Super Bowl commercial uh, nine years ago in 2011. Yeah, two-minute long commercial that featured the Motor City. And for those who have lived in Detroit, Marie Voss, maybe others here, uh, or me, I lived there at one time too, take great pride in that great city, a city that's not all that unlike Jamestown in many ways. Jamestown, I've always said, is a small version of, of Detroit, uh, but uh, interesting. There was a, another catchphrase that was in that Chrysler ad back then, because I just watched it the other day just to make sure I had it right. Uh, Detroit is a city that's been to hell and back. Yeah, another catchphrase. So who knows what new slogans, what new catchphrases will roll out this evening at the Super Bowl. Uh, honestly, it's the best part of the game, I think, especially since the Packers aren't playing this year. So, so I uh, watch it mostly to see the ads. Or at least I'm, more, I'm probably more attentive to the ads, just because they're, they're new and they're creative. And so, anyway. So catchphrases are memorable, and they're worth uh, repeating. They're worth remembering. And uh, they reinforce a message. They get an idea across. And as we said two weeks ago, we're, there are catchphrases that we use in the church. Anyone remember the one that we rolled out two weeks ago, or at least the one that we focused on two weeks ago? Are you in Christ yet? Thank you. Yes. And uh, these phrases and similar ones have been around for a long time. In fact, after that uh, service two Sundays ago, there were a couple of people who came up to me afterwards, one who was over 90 years old, been in this church his whole life, he remembered when some of the old Swedes would come up to them as children and ask them those questions. You know, how goes your walk? And, and are you in Christ yet? And in Swedish. So, and they still remembered those phrases after all these years. But they remember folks in this church asking them those questions. Well, the catchphrase today is probably even more well-known than are you in Christ yet. It is how goes your walk? How goes your walk? I don't know how long that question has been around, but I think it's been around longer than we have been a congregation, and we just celebrated our 125th anniversary. 
a walk is a, is a metaphor for, um, a, for the spiritual life, for this journey that we call faith. It's an analogy that is found even in Scripture. In fact, before we go any further, let's hear what Scripture has to say, at least in one of those passages that talks about uh, this walk. So I'm reading today from 1 John chapter 1, starting with verse 5. It's about page 1183 in the Pew Bible. So 1 John 1, beginning with verse 5. And I would encourage you to turn there because it's a, a bit lengthier section and there's more there than I'm going to uh, be able to unpack this morning. By the way, this passage that I'm about to read was written by John, who literally walked with Jesus for three years. And then even after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, John continued to walk with Christ for the rest of his life. John lived to be 100 years old. So let's hear God's word. 1 John 1, beginning with verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Thanks be to God. So a walk is a, walk is a metaphor for not only faith, but life itself. Everyone is walking. The question is, where are you walking? How are you walking? John mentions walking in the darkness and walking in in the light, which I presume is the same light that he mentions at the beginning of his gospel, where John wrote this, in him, in Christ, was life, and that life was the light of mankind. At the end of the passage, John gives the admonition to walk as Jesus walked. The metaphor of walking, I think, is a fitting one. Uh, think of a time or times that you have walked with a friend or uh, a child or a parent, a lover, a spouse, and, and just think about um, what those walks often do, the closeness that they sort of uh, foster, the, the intimacy that they foster, uh, the connectedness. I don't know the physiology or the psychology of it, but it just happens. It's, in, it's interesting. Those two things, I think, taking a walk with someone builds closeness and connectedness. Eating at the table together 
does the same thing. And Scripture uses both of those imageries, doesn't it? Eating together, having a meal, fellowshipping together, and walking together. So as I said, there's a kind of intimacy or connectedness that happens when you walk. We're hardwired for relationships, and there's something about that movement and being together, walking together, that fosters the closeness. My parents lived just a few blocks from Lake Winnebago in Wisconsin, and they would walk together down to the lake, down to the waterfront. It was good for their health, and it was good for their relationship. One of my favorite things to do on Sunday afternoon is to take a walk up at Chautauqua with a friend or friends. In fact, I'm probably not going to do it today, but I did it yesterday. So it's just something that I enjoy doing. Plenty of places to walk around here. Walking implies movement, direction. And it's, more, it's about more than the destination. It's the journey. It's being together, journeying together. And the idea is that you are walking with someone, walking as Adam and Eve did in the garden with God. In fact, there's an old hymn that maybe one or two of you here might know or remember. I come to the garden alone. And he, this is the refrain of the song, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. There's someone by your side walking with you. It is God's Spirit the, the word that Scripture used, that Jesus used, the counselor, the, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, parakleo, means literally someone who's been called alongside you to walk with you through life. He's literally there with you. We are called to walk with God, to stay in step with Him. That's what it means to walk in the light, to walk as Jesus walked who consciously or conscientiously aligned himself with his Father, living and walking in sync with him as one. My dad worked for this company in Wisconsin it's called uh, the Miles Kimball Company, a mail-order house. He worked there for over 30 years. I worked there as well through many of the summers of college and seminary. And there were two women who worked in the office there in the company, and they were, they were twins, they were identical twins, and I have this vivid memory of, of them. Well, I'll get to the memory in a second. I don't even remember their names, except they were just simply known as the Cowling Sisters. As I said, they were identical twins. They dressed alike, and they, they served together in, the, in World War II. And uh, while they were no longer in the Army, the Army was still in them. And what I vividly remember was uh, being outside the plant when they would come out of the office building, and they would come out together side by side, always in step, in sync, dressed smart, always dressed alike, and if they were not in step properly, even if they were in the middle of the street, they would stop and then begin walking again. <laughs> when I think of God's invitation to walk with him, to keep in step with him, to, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to walk as Jesus did, I think of the Cowling Sisters and how closely united they were and in step with each other. I never ever saw them alone. I'm sure there were times when they were, but I never saw them alone. Always together, always in step. It is a picture of the way that God desires us to walk with him, staying close and in step with him. When Jesus invited his, fo his followers to come join him, what did he say? Follow me. It was an invitation to walk with him. And they would walk in the footsteps of their rabbi. In fact, the encouragement was, 
There's a saying that came out of it. The encouragement was that you walk so close to your rabbi that as, as Jesus walked from village to village, or they walked everywhere they went, that you would walk so close that the dust of your rabbi would get on you. And thus there was this phrase, to walk in the dust of your rabbi. It's about being so close, listening, observing, following, and mimicking their life, their theology, their, their teachings, so that they would become your own. So back to our catchphrase, how goes your walk? Say it with me. How goes your walk? So you know what I'm going to do. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, how goes your walk? Good. You don't have to wait for an answer. I just want you to ask the question. <laughs> we don't have all day to hear the answer. So what if someone, what if you did turn to the person next to you and ask them, how goes your walk? What would, the, what would the response be? Or better yet, if someone asked you that question, how goes your walk? What would your response be? How would you, how would you answer that? And what would the criteria be for determining for yourself how your walk with God is going? How do you know if you are walking with God or not walking with Him? Now, I'm sure that there might be there might be a few people here this morning who know definitely I'm not walking with God. I have wandered so far away, I don't even know how to find my way back. It's okay. You're in a good place, okay? And, and there are others who may desire a close walk with God, but they realize that they stumble on the path when they fall into sin or give in to temptation or struggle with addiction and sin and shame always makes us feel like we're far from God, doesn't it? It's the nature of shame and guilt. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden until they sinned. And then what did they do? They hid. But there's no hiding from God. He came to them. He pursued them. He sought them out. And despite the sin, God forgives and still pursues us. You can hide but he'll still seek you out because he wants, because God wants to walk with you. And he knows for your own sake that you need to walk with him. I think that you can be struggling and still have a close walk with God or at least have the assurance that despite your sin and struggles, God loves you and is ever inviting you to walk with him, to rest in him, to trust that his grace is sufficient for you, sufficient for everyone. And then there are those who, perhaps when you ask the question, how goes your walk, they may feel like they're walking in darkness. And by that I mean darkness, in the, they're in the valley of, of shadow and death, what some call the dark night of the soul. It feels like you are walking alone, struggling to find your way. It is in those times that we must trust that God is indeed still with us and walking with us in the darkness, in the sorrow, in the grief, in the pain and the ache. Darkness is as light to him. God is undaunted by it and willing to go anywhere with us. He said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Because you are in Christ and he is in you, you will never be alone. You will never walk alone. Now, I suspect that many of us, when we answer that question, how goes your walk? I think for the majority of us, probably the criteria has been more this. 
we measure our walk with God by how often we pray, how often we read the Bible or don't, how often we do a quiet time or devotional reading. Some might measure it by their church attendance, their giving and serving. And these are all important and necessary and hopefully conducive to walking in the light, but not necessarily the best measure of how your walk is going. You can be doing all those things faithfully, regularly, with the best of intentions, but still not be walking closely with God. Now, Jesus had some tough things to say in his time, and one of which had to do with the way that people were living and walking. And to the surprise of many, the people that Jesus was most critical of were the religious, who he said were in the dark. In fact, Jesus even at one point said they were blind guides. Not only are they in the dark, but they're stumbling around with other people trying to lead them in the dark. Jesus said to his followers, unless, listen, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You have no idea what a tall order Jesus is giving right there. I mean, put in our modern terms, the Pharisees were fundamentalists, the traditionalists, the evangelicals of of their day. They weren't in the majority, but they had a strong influence uh, on the culture, perhaps even in politics. They, again, putting it in language that we would understand, they didn't drink, dance, play cards, or go to movies. They did not associate with people whose lifestyles or choices were ungodly in their estimation. They studied Scripture closely, kept the commandments, and tenaciously practiced their faith. Culturally, they were the epitome of God-fearing folk, people who had God's ear, people who had the blessing of God. But Jesus astoundingly said, you'll have to do better than the Pharisees if you want to see the kingdom of God. Can you imagine What constitutes better? More of the same? I don't think that's what Jesus was getting at. What Jesus was looking at was the heart and the fruit of one's life and faith. This is what was more telling than religious disciplines, spiritual practices, or ritual devotion. What is the condition of your heart toward God and toward others, even your enemies? What is the fruit of your beliefs, your your morals, your ethics? Is it blessing God? Is it bettering others? Is your heart expanding and growing? Your love deepening? Are you are, are more welcomed at your table? Is the circle growing to include others, others who are different than you? Are you quick to forgive, patient, kind, gracious, generous, withholding judgment? By the way, if you think, oh, Rick, another one of your sermons about love. Doggone it, that's what John is getting at. Read on in 1 John, in the paragraphs immediately following the scripture I already read for you this morning. That's John's whole point. Walking in the dark means you hate people. You exclude people. You marginalize people. You're bigoted. You're prejudiced. You hold grudges. You can't forgive. Walking in the light means that you're loving You're patient, you're kind, you're gracious, you're inviting, you're generous. That's John's point. It's what it means to walk in the darkness or in the light. It's all about how you love, who you're loving, and how you're loving. These are not my words. Read Scripture. It's right there. 1 John. Read on in the immediate passages 
after, right after the section that I just read. So certainly the Pharisees, the Pharisees thought that they were walking close to God, right? Of course they did. They were all about keeping pure, keeping kosher, keeping separate, keeping in step with the faith of their fathers and in line with God's commands. But Jesus exposed their empty religion and declared that they didn't even know the Father, let alone walk with Him. You wonder why Jesus got Himself killed? Tell really religious people that they are wrong, that they are in dark, that they are not walking as closely to God as they think. So, for Jesus, the determining factor wasn't Bible reading, prayer, and religious observance, as important as these are, and please do not misunderstand me this morning. I'm not being dismissive of those at all. In fact, Jesus did those very things as well. And if he did those things, prayer and Bible study and and quiet time alone with God. If Jesus needed those things, how much more don't we need those things? So I'm not being dismissive of those at all. They are conducive to having a close walk with God, but they're not the ultimate measure. They're very important, but not the final determiner of how we are walking, of how our walk is going. For Jesus, it was a heart issue. It was a matter of how one loved God and how one loved others. It was a matter of compassion and mercy and justice. And if you are truly walking with God, walking as Jesus walked, it will be evident. There will be fruit. There will be genuine and sincere love that is seen in your life. Jesus is the model of what it looks like to walk with God. And the fruit of that walk was evident in the broken and dispossessed people who came to him and found hope and healing, forgiveness and love, and a welcome place at the table. Jesus walked with God, walked with his Father, and so revealed the heart of God to those around him. Jesus was so in step with the Spirit, with his Father, that they were one, and with all integrity and truthfulness, Jesus could say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. It would be like one of the calling sisters saying, if you've seen me, you've seen my sister. Walking that close, being that much alike. So are you, beginning, are you beginning to understand what it means to walk with God, to be in step with His Spirit, to walk as Jesus did? Let's be honest, none of us, none of us walks perfectly or consistently in the light. Yes, I do talk about love a lot, but trust me, I feel just as convicted by messages of love as I do about anything else. Because I know how hard it is to love, to love well. We all have a shadow side to us, a side that we must acknowledge, own, and even embrace as our own. But John gives us hope. Jesus forgives. He intercedes for us. John said that. He's our, he is our righteousness. And so we're invited to walk closely with Jesus. I'm going to end with, um, I'm going to give you three things that you might do if you're taking notes this morning, three things that you might do just as a follow-up this week. One is this. You might journal, but I think it would be important to journal. Just sit down with a piece of paper, even if you're not used to journaling, and ask yourself the question, how goes my walk? How goes my walk? And, and, And then try to answer it for yourself, and then keep asking it. Don't settle with what you write initially. Keep asking it a few times so that you go deeper still and and become more honest. 
How goes my walk? How goes my walk? Second thing you might do, take a walk alone with God. You don't even have to speak to him if you don't want to. Maybe you're not on speaking terms these days. I don't know. But you can speak to him if you want. You can simply listen if you want. But my invitation to you is this, to take a walk intentionally alone, aware of God's presence with you, aware that God is with you, very near. Okay? The last thing that you might do this week is to get together with a friend. Whether you take a walk, whether you sit down for a meal, uh, whether you have coffee together, and ask your friend the question, especially if it's a believer, ask them the question, how goes your walk? And then just listen. Just listen attentively and be an encouragement to that person, okay? I'm going to close with... um, It's sort of a prayer. It's my journal entry from this morning because this was on my heart and mind. So this is my closing prayer. It's my journal entry, but it's a prayer as well. Let it be our prayer this morning. How goes my walk? If measured by quiet time, Bible study, prayer, Sabbath keeping, there's room to do better. If measured by the way I love, there's also room for much improvement. Help me, Lord, to walk as you did, as you do, in love. Breathe into me your life. Pour out into my heart your love. Grant me wisdom to love well, an ease and forgiveness, a non-anxious presence, and gracious posture toward all, even those who think differently. Grant me patience, forbearance, but also courage and strength to love well in all circumstances, even those who mean me harm. Forgive me when I stumble when I fail to love well, and when I walk in shadow, in anger, bitterness, hatred, or apathy. Above all, may I know your love and your abiding presence as you walk with me. Amen.